We are hidden in Christ. The old us has died. The new self is in Christ. And that is our eternal identity. And that is to shape our thinking. And that is to shape our life and our focus. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. So here's this famous renaming of Daniel and his friends, and they're all given these new names. There's so much that we could say about this. And we're not going to say all that could be said, because there's much that we could delve into here. The power of language, the power of words. Daniel's words are being changed. We could relate that to our own day in a powerful way. The battle over words is raging right now in our culture. If you don't realize that, then you're asleep or in a cave. The battle over words is raging right now because the saying is true. He who controls language controls the culture. And what we call things determines what we feel about things. You want an example? 30 years ago, 40 years ago, there was adultery. Adultery became an affair. An affair became a fling. And now today a fling has become an open marriage. I mean, adultery to open marriage. Words matter. Words control the Pronouns. We could talk about pronouns right now and the battle that's going on over pronouns because words matter. So that's relevant. We could talk about that, but we'll just mention that and lay that aside. And I want to really focus in on the naming or the renaming of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their naming is significant here. We've talked before about naming in Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, and we know that there's two things that go along with naming. One is control, dominion. He who names controls the one who is being named. God names the man. The man names the animals. So this naming is an exhibition, is a manifestation of control and power. The Babylonians wish to rename Daniel and his friends, which probably, you know, a lot of commentators take this and, and they say, well, this is, this is the way of the Babylonians and the way of societies. They want to re-identify Daniel and give Daniel a new identity. And that may be the case, but it may be more likely the case that that's just what they did. That They're in Babylon now, and they've all got to have Babylonian names. Nobody's going to remember their hard-to-pronounce guttural Hebrew names, so that they're going to give them new names anyway. Whatever the case is, there is tremendous theological help for There's tremendous doctrinal help here for us to see in the renaming of Daniel and his three friends. So these new names are given. The other thing with names, not only control, is also character. Remember that? In the Bible, when you name something, you give it its character. Remember Daniel, or I'm sorry, Adam names the animals, and when he names the animals, he is giving the animals their character, their traits. Or Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Or the renaming of Jacob, you are now Israel. The renaming of Abram, 
You are now Abraham, Sarai, you are now Sarah. So there's a character shift, there's a character change, there's a new character that comes from that renaming. So now let's think about Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. All four of these names are names that are closely linked to God. We won't go through all four of them, but but Daniel's name means God is my judge. Now, all four names have one of the two Hebrew sounds for God. There's the sound El. You're familiar with that. El, which means God. Beth El, or uh, El Shaddai. That's the word for God. So, that sound El shows up in a couple of their names. Daniel and Mishael. But then the other sound is the sound Yah. And you probably recognize that from the covenant name of God, Yahweh. And so, Azariah, Hananiah. So all four names have God in there. And all four names are saying something about their relationship to the true God. Their dependency upon the true God. Their relationship to the true God. All four of the new names have one of the Babylonian sounds for the Babylonian gods in them. Now, the Babylonian sounds would have been Bel. That would have been the equivalent to the Hebrew El. So, Bel to Shazar. The other sound would be Nigo or Nebo. That was, was referencing the god Nebo. The other god would be Marduk. And so, we see those sounds or a derivation of those sounds in all four names. So, so what we come up with is basically all four names were changed to names that recognize the living God, now to names that recognize false gods. So this was a big deal. This was probably a bigger deal for Daniel and his friends than it was for the Babylonians. For them to forsake their Hebrew names, which were giving them and reminding them each time their name was spoken of their Hebrew identity, of their identity with the living God, and replacing it with an identity that's tied to the false gods. Now, these new names are given, and with them kind of comes this idea of a new identity. But one thing to notice is somehow the names just don't seem to stick. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in reading through Daniel. The new names just don't seem to stick. Daniel's name, for example, we see the same thing in his three friends. Although their Babylonian names are used a little bit more than Daniel's Babylonian name, Daniel's Babylonian name just never seems to ever get there. Look in in your notes here. I kind of catalog a few of these Look at Daniel chapter 2 and verse 26. It's like every time Daniel has to explain, oh, this was my new name that they tried to give me. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Or 4 and 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed. Or again, Daniel 5. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. It's like he's got to keep saying, oh yeah, yeah. I was given this new name. But the name doesn't seem to stick. And I think the reason is, Daniel just wouldn't let it stick. 
And Daniel wouldn't let it stick because he insisted on living the rest of his life with his identity being defined as his eternal identity. Not the earthly identity that the Babylonians wanted to assign to him. Not the temporary identity that his new captors wanted him to become. But he lived his life as God is my judge. Just as Elijah lived his life as Yahweh lives. And just as all of us are called to live our life with our eternal identity as that which defines us. We live in a world in which this whole topic of identity is on fire. The God of this age is drunk with the success that he has experienced in ratcheting up our focus upon earthly identity. It's everywhere. You can be who you want to be. You can be what you want to be. You can be the gender you want to be. You can be the species that you want to be. We can't get away from it. And the God of this world is dizzy with the success that he's experiencing in that. But the Christian is called to live in a certain way with a perception of themselves that is of a certain character. Do you know that it's very important how you perceive yourself? <coughs> what you think of yourself to be, what your identity is, how you would identify yourself or define yourself to others? You know, the Bible tells us that's very important. Your self-perception. Because the Scriptures tell us that for those who are in Christ... We are to have a certain kind of self-perception, a self-perception that is defined by our eternal identity. We are hidden in Christ. The old us has died. The new self is in Christ. And that is our eternal identity. And that is to shape our thinking. And that is to shape our life and our focus. The places that the New Testament gives attention to this are so many. Just some of them. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Or Galatians 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Just a few weeks ago, we talked in Ephesians chapter 2 of how Paul says we are seated at the throne of God, at the right hand of God. Or Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Satan wants us to forget our true identity. And he wants us to live in the earthly identity that has no root and no grounding. And if he can do that, he has experienced (laughs) great success with the Christian. And so we are to live as Daniel lives in this alien pagan land. Yet he lives in his Hebrew identity, in his eternal identity. God is my judge. Now, how are we to do that? 
There are many things that the scriptures say to us about that. But one of the things I want to bring out right now is this. We are to live with a constant focus on our eternal identity by coming together just like this for the purpose of reminding ourselves of our eternal identity. This is the main purpose of corporate worship, to come together and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, of what is laid up for us, of what our inheritance is. That the old us is gone, the new us is in Christ. We are to come together and sing songs of our home and observe practices that remind us of our home like baptism and and the supper. And we're to tell one another, we are not of this world. We are aliens here. We are exiles here. And we are to stir one another up to think of home. For 14 years now in the ministry, I have endeavored that every sermon has as its main point not how to be a better father, not how to be a better wife, not how to be a better parent, but remember who you are in Christ. Remember the price that was paid for your soul and remember the home that's laid up for you. And by so doing, we will be better fathers, we will be better wives, we will be better husbands, we will be better better parents. But that is not the main point. Daniel lived his life with a focus on his true identity. And so thereby, Daniel also lived his life with a focus on the importance of prayer and remaining faithful and being courageous and all these other things. But here's the point where we face a great danger. Because here's the point at which we can lose the point. Daniel was faithful. Daniel kept a perception on his eternal identity. Daniel would not fail to pray when the forces around him told him not to. Daniel, 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 Daniel. And that's where we lose the point. Because the point is not Daniel. The point is Daniel's God. For it is Daniel's God who kept Daniel faithful. It is Daniel's God who kept Daniel's focus on his true identity. There's another in Scripture that also has much to say to us about living as aliens and exiles in foreign lands. His name was Peter. Peter wrote these words to us in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And we could go on and on, but Peter's point is clear. Number one, you are exiles in this world. Number two, your identity is eternal, not earthly. And number three, this is God's doing. This is God's doing. 
let us never lose the focus on the true point. (coughs) The true point is not the servant of the Lord that remains faithful. The true point is the Lord who makes him faithful. Now, one last thing for us to see in the chapter, and it comes at the very end of the chapter. In fact, the last verse of chapter 1. Looking here at verse 20. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, why is that sentence there? Why does Daniel end that section with that thought? That Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. That's some six decades away. Sixty or more years from now. Daniel just finishes this first episode in the story of his life by just dropping this statement about how he was there until the first year of King Cyrus, some six plus decades later. The word that Daniel uses here is just the word for to be in the participial form. So Daniel, literally Daniel was being, Daniel kept on being, or Daniel continued, or Daniel remained. Why would he do that? I think the point is this. Even in beginning the story, Daniel wants to remind us once again, kings will come and kings will go. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall. But the servant of the Most High, he will remain until the Ancient of Days has completed his purpose. Nebuchadnezzar's can rise and Belshazzar's can rise and Darius's can rise and Cyrus's can rise and they'll all fall. But until the Ancient of Days has completed his desire for Daniel's life, Daniel will go nowhere. Until the Ancient of Days calls him home, Daniel will remain exactly where the Ancient of Days has him, safe in his sovereign hand. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word.